From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The federal government has finally released the modelling underpinning its plan to reach net zero emissions by 2050. According to the Prime Minister, the economic impact of the plan won't be that significant. But at the last election, Scott Morrison had a very different position when he was opposing Labor's emissions reduction policy. Today, national correspondent for the Saturday paper, Mike Seckham, on the documents that reveal who's behind the federal government's climate modelling and what it tells us about the way science is being spun for political purposes. It's Wednesday, November 17. Mike, as we get closer to an election, the battleground issues are becoming more clear. Climate change is obviously one of those issues. It was at the last election as well. So let's go back and talk about how it played out for both parties in 2019. What happened? Well, yes, in in the lead up to the last election, just as now, the Morrison government was in big political trouble on climate change policy. If you want real action on climate change, not more chaos and denial, vote Labor. Labor had a comprehensive plan to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 45% by 2030. So today, this is our case for change. We say proudly to all Australians, end the chaos, vote Labor. Thank you very much. And the government, on the other hand, had nothing new to propose. And our policies haven't changed in terms of what our emissions reduction target is over the last four years. It's been the same. But the thing is, the coalition had a secret weapon. And on February 20, 2019, it used it. And on that day, Rupert Murdoch's national broadsheet, The Australian, ran a front-page headline that read, Carbon Cut Apocalypse, Cost of ALP Energy Plan. And the story below the headline was just replete with big, scary numbers. It said that Labor's policy would push electricity prices 50% higher, would cost workers up to $9,000 a year in lower wages, would wipe $472 billion from the economy over the next decade. A quarter of a trillion dollars by 2030. And he said it'll cost us about 167,000 jobs. Over the next couple of weeks, the Murdoch media continued to bring up this modelling. Where is the rest of the media in pursuing this? $264 billion was the best-case scenario, Andrew. It could be upwards of $542 billion, the cost of the economy. And the government used the modelling to hammer the issue of the alleged high costs of Labor's climate policies, just relentlessly right up until the election. Mr Shorten is still not answering these fundamental questions. Now is not the time to turn back. Now is the time to ensure that we keep our economy strong. Now is the time to ensure we keep our financial management strong. And this was all attributed to, quote, the first independent modelling of energy policies of both the government and the opposition. Okay, so can you tell me a bit more about this modelling then, Mike, and where it came from? Well, it was done by a bloke called Brian Fisher, who has come to be known, I think you would say, as a very controversial economist. Would you like to tell us a bit about your early life uh, prior to becoming an agricultural and resource economist? Oh, well, I guess I could do that. I grew up on a dairy farm 
on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. He's a former head of the Australian Bureau of Agriculture and Resource Economics. And he's also, I must say, the go-to numbers guy for Australian fossil fuel miners looking for costings that will show their proposals in a good light. And the, the other thing that, that became immediately apparent to me was the power of numbers. The person with the number basically holds the power. Under the Howard government, he played an integral role in negotiating Australia's minimal commitment to emissions reduction at the 1997 Kyoto Climate Change Conference. Uh, we built the models. We did the work. I uh, participated in the negotiations. And his influence has continued under successive Liberal governments. He was one of four experts tasked by Tony Abbott when he was Prime Minister in 2014 to decide on Australia's renewable energy target, you know, which was scaled back to 20% renewable energy by 2020 and was roundly criticised as being too low. In 2019, he was in the spotlight again because of this modelling. As an economist, I find this to be appallingly dishonest. I'm dishonest, frankly. He was quoted expressing his frustration at how deficient and even outright dishonest the climate change debate continues to be, he said, when the inescapable reality was that whoever won the election, Australia would suffer an economic hit. He just found that the economic hit would be several times larger under Labor. You uh, must expect that the cost of abatement is going to be fairly severe under those circumstances. Who paid for this modelling? I did. Fisher said that he expected to be, quote, kicked, unquote, by both sides of politics for his assessment. But he was never going to be kicked by the Morrison government. When the Australian ran its story, he'd already been in communication with the government for many weeks, if not months, uh, about his work. OK, so what exactly do you mean by that, Mike? What kind of communication had Fisher been in with the Morrison government and who exactly within the government? So I obtained an email trail under Freedom of Information that shows that the Energy Minister, Angus Taylor, and his office were liaising with Fisher as he drafted his modelling. Indeed, seven weeks before Fisher's modelling came out and, and immediately landed on the front page of The Australian, Taylor sent one of many emails to his team. And, and in that email, he said he was working on a piece, an op-ed piece for publication, comparing electricity prices state by state, and he was using draft numbers from Fisher. So clearly, the government had detailed knowledge of what was coming, had seen drafts, and saw it as important that Fisher should provide support for their claim that Labor's proposal would put a, a wrecking ball through the economy, as they, as they termed it at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it seems like there is little doubt then that ahead of the last election, the coalition government was aware of Fisher's modelling. They also knew that it, it might benefit them. So when it was released, when his research came out on the front page of The Australian, how was it received by the scientific community and economists and other experts? The report he released was roundly condemned by most other expert economists and energy experts. And to quote them, Brian Fisher's latest model of climate costs was off the chart. It shows the cost to GDP impacts that were five to ten times larger than every other economy-wide model. Kane Thornton, another expert, chief executive of the Clean Energy Council, said, and I quote, the report, its input assumptions and modelled outcomes are total garbage. Any politician using this to compare or critique energy policies should be laughed at. 
But uh, of course, the government persisted. And, uh, and almost three years later, the Morrison government is again playing games with climate modelling. And once again, Fisher is involved. We'll be back after this. This year, the Saturday paper celebrates 10 years as Australia's leading independent newspaper. In that time, it's built a peerless reputation for quality journalism, for telling stories that are ignored elsewhere. It's the essential account of the week in politics, culture and news. When you read the Saturday paper, you don't need to read anything else. Subscribe today from just $2.10 per week. Visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash subscribe. The Saturday Paper. The whole story. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Mike, we're coming up to a federal election. We don't know exactly when, but we know that it's a matter of months. Ahead of that, the coalition has released climate modelling and it seems that this person, this economist, Brian Fisher, is involved in that modelling. So can you tell me about that? What do we know exactly? Well, a a couple of weeks ago, on October 25, officials from Angus Taylor's department confirmed to a Senate Estimates Committee that Fisher had been paid $100,000 for help in its upcoming climate modelling. And so you've used his modelling to validate... Our own. ..your own modelling, which has then been given to Cabinet as... That's correct. ..as as a use for the net zero um, conversation. That's Um, right. What was not made clear in estimates was exactly what role he had played in doing that work for Taylor's department. So I rang Fisher to ask for more detail. I left a message... And um, to someone to my surprise, he rang back. And, and he was quite affable, if a little guarded, as we talked about it. And so I was engaged to try and um, give them some guidance on how uh, best to run uh, particular sims in the model, basically. So anyway, when I, when I spoke to him, I asked about his involvement in this modelling. And he told me that there was more to it than had been revealed so far. And, and he said... Quoting, there is potentially other work that might be mentioned in the future. I do have a contract and I can't discuss it with you. Yeah, so I, I haven't been involved in in the modelling directly. Um, just trying to, to help them make sure that they don't make um, silly mistakes. So exactly what that means, I don't know. But what we do know, what is crystal clear is that the modelling is indicating vastly different incomes this time to what it did in 2019. Mm. Okay, so what is the modelling indicating this time and how different is it to what was published before the last election? Well, the interesting thing is this time around, unlike 2019, Morrison is not saying emissions reductions targets will wreck the economy. He's boasting about reaching net zero while boosting the economy. We won't just be measuring the fact that we'll be reducing emissions We'll be measuring the fact that we're creating jobs. We'll be measuring the fact that we're boosting incomes. Morrison says that Australia's gross national income will grow 1.6% under the plan, that nearly 62,000 new regional mining and heavy industry jobs will be created, 
and that the average Australian will be nearly $2,000 better off. We'll be measuring the fact that we are preserving Australians' livelihoods right across the country because that is also one of the key measures of performance and success with this plan. So what is clear is that the modelling the government is relying on to lend credibility to its climate policy at this election is starkly at odds with with the Fisher modelling it used to lend credibility to it at the last election. Okay, so why is that, Mike? Why is the modelling producing such a different outcome on the same topic, that topic being the, the economic impacts of addressing climate change three years on? Well, good question. So so I went looking for people who actually understand the, the sort of arcane details of modelling. And, and one economist I spoke to who had 20 years' experience in the field modelling, first with Hebert when it was headed by Fisher and then for several big consulting firms, he told me that historically even the best-intentioned modellers tend to make conservative assumptions and, and that as a result they don't always get it right. But they also told me that Hebert had led the world in the politicisation of modelling and that Brian Fisher, when he was executive director of Hebert, had played a big role in that. He said Hebert had spent a lot of time and money converting what were essentially theoretical academic-style approaches to modelling into making it a tool that spoke, as he put it, the language of government and that could be used to convince the public that these models were producing numbers that made sense in a political context. Okay, and so what do you make of all of this, Mike? Because we are increasingly relying on modelling. You know, we did so a lot last year during the pandemic. We relied on models to work out when we're getting out of lockdown. And they're obviously critical to understanding the impacts of climate change and working out a pathway to meet that challenge. But if modelling is becoming something that's increasingly political, then how can we trust the integrity of the models that we need to rely on? Well, it's a, it's a hard question. Uh, I think people tend to give too much credit to modelling as being an exact science. It's not. What comes out of models depends on what assumptions are fed into the models. People place different emphasis on the competing interests of the economy versus the, the environment, and there are vested interests. You know, I'm not suggesting that this is entirely ill-motivated, and I'm certainly not suggesting it of Brian Fisher. The political reality, though, is that Fisher's projections are increasingly being seen as outliers. But you know what? You don't need models to tell you that we're in a climate crisis. You only need to observe the empirical evidence of rising sea levels, of melting ice caps, of fires and storms of unprecedented ferocity, of growing hordes of climate refugees, etc. When COVID hit, the world didn't muck around modelling the economic cost of dealing with it. It acted decisively. And this doesn't seem to be what's happening here. This seems to be the Morrison government again using modelling for a political end, which is to say, hey, we're doing enough, we don't need to do any more. Mike, thank you so much for your time. No worries, thank you. Andrew O'Hagan's latest, Caledonian Road, explores one man's epic fall from grace. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew to discuss this and the state of modern Britain. All that and more, wherever you listen. Also in the news today, 
There's been a dramatic development in the case of William Tyrrell, who went missing in 2014 when he was three years old. On Tuesday, police searched Tyrrell's foster grandmother's home in Kendall on the New South Wales mid-coast and have identified a new person of interest. Despite hundreds of police searches and a $1 million reward, Tyrrell has never been found and nobody has been charged over his disappearance and suspected murder. And the Northern Territory has recorded nine new COVID-19 cases overnight, bringing the total number of cases in the Catherine and Robinson River outbreak to 11. The Chief Minister, Michael Gunner, said all the new cases were Aboriginal people and household contacts of the two cases confirmed yesterday. The region is currently in a snap lockdown. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.